Welcome to the Badass Reset Club, a special place where if you've lost your way, girl, we're here to help guide you back. Those club doors are opened up wide so we can discuss all things fitness, nutrition, body composition, hormones, menopause, beauty, headspace, and more. Hey there, my name's Heather. I'm a fitness expert, nutrition coach, autoimmune athlete, mom of three pretty cool kids, and married to one handsome firefighter. I started this club because after years of over-exercising, under-fueling, gaining weight, dealing with Hashimoto's disease, and experiencing hormones gone crazy, I knew there had to be a better way. So come on in, badass. Let's hit that reset together. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode. And oh my gosh, do I have a huge treat for you today. (laughs) I have a friend with me today. This is Elizabeth Andrews and she is what I call a live wire. She is full of experience (laughs) and knowledge. She's got an extensive background in fitness all the way from being a TRX master trainer to teaching yoga and everything in between. Her motto is to move to build resistance, move better, play more. I probably botched that up, but she'll share it with us. She's a boy mom, a dog lover, a cancer warrior, a wife, and has a mouth like a Southern truck driver. She's loads (laughs) of fun and keeps it real. And I told you we're in for a treat today. So please welcome Elizabeth Andrews to our show. <laughs> I feel I like do, applauding. <laughs> I, I like I have to applaud that, Heather. I mean, like, oh my gosh, she's so good. Okay, do tell us what is your motto? I think I butchered it's, it. That's okay. You had it very close. It's build resilience, move better, and play more. Did I say resistance? Yes. I'm all about muscles. Resilience. But that's quite all right. Resilience. <laughs> See, because I'm a little older than you, so now I've gone to resilience. Yeah, but I can't remember anything, so. Well, nor can I, but I do remember that. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you said yes to this. And for those of you listening or watching on YouTube, I've known Elizabeth, I was doing, I was trying to do the math and I had to pull out my calculator and like subtract what what year it was. I think it's almost 15 years ago, going back to when I met you at um, Country Club. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? Oh, Heather. It's been a long time. and. There's been little monuments along the way. And I'm just so grateful to have you in my life. And I'm I'm really excited about sharing your story and your experience because you are a shit ton of knowledge. And yes, mm. there will be expletives today because I'm talking to Elizabeth. But could you please tell us, dear one, a little bit more about you? Tell us where you like along your journey of the fitness, because that started when you were like four. <laughs> when my, I was my daddy's little boy. Yeah. Back, back there, back then, I didn't try to change anything. I just embraced being a tomboy. So back then, that's how we did it. So, fitness, I always wanted to be a dancer. And when I was younger, I really quit out of everything when I got to a certain levels. And this is very important in how I am now. I, once I got to Toshu and, and ballet, and did that for a little bit, I quit. In gymnastics, I got to a competitive level, I quit. I always loved dance. I did some in college, I quit. So aerobics, and back in this time, it was late 80s and I was in college. And I thought, well, this is a way that I can dance and exercise. I had also gained a shit ton of weight in college. And I'd always been really skinny because I was always been really active. And most people gained it their freshman year. I gained it my junior year. year. Everybody oh. had lost. I know I was late. Everybody huh. had lost their freshman. Not me. 10. Back then it was freshman 10. <laughs> and I'm walking around with like a size 16 ass girl. I went from like a 6'8 to 16. So that's pretty big. Like for me. I can't picture. Friend. I can't I, picture that. Oh, I got a picture for you. I'll send you offline and you can see my <laughs> face. Looks like I've got winter storage in it. So I... Then I became very bulimic. Like I was trying all the different strategies as opposed to exercising. I started exercising, but bulimia is a big part of my story as well because I wanted to do it the easy way and lose my fat and weight that way, but it didn't work. So I started teaching aerobics and a way to tickle my dance fever and then got married, moved to Chattanooga. So this now would, would be the early 90s and still teaching aerobics or group X. Back then, that's what we called it. And then Step came on to the scene. 
Oh, and yeah. I loved, oh my girl, I love, you know, I love me some you steps. You still do. <laughs> I talked last weekend, a pop-up. And so really got into step and started doing aerobic competitions. Again, there's that part of me that, you know, wish I had still pursued performing and acting, blah, blah. So did aerobic competitions, but I lived in a little Chattanooga, Tennessee. Not a lot's going on in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. Stuff was really going on in Atlanta. And then Idea World, I remember I went to my first Idea World in the late 80s. And it was huge. And it was Whoa. so sparkly, Heather. It was like now it's so different. It's okay. really corporate-y. But back then it was so creative and individual. Like the instructors all taught their own thing. So corporate maybe had the exhibition hall. Sure, sure. But they didn't have the instructors doing BOSU or, you know, okay. Stairmaster or whatever. So it was so sparkly and so amazing. And I remember like, I think I could do that. I think I could present. But again, Little Chattanooga, Tennessee, and all these people were pretty based out of LA or New York, like anything yeah. else. So life goes on. I do aerobic competitions. I'm still wanting that. Then I'm starting to have a bunch of babies. I go to Atlanta to do a lot of my education and starting to understand like, oh, there's more going on than this little bubble. Lee Cruz, who was huge in the aerobic industry back then, is one of my, my probably my most important mentor. She and Karen Ward and Sharon Zaleski also at that time mm -hmm. though. But Lee was really involved in the step community and aerobic. She was a, a world-class judge for a long time. So she kind of helped to guide me in some of the decisions about education. Fast forward. So I'm living, I'm ha now I'm having all these boys. I'm still not presenting because I felt called to be a mom, but I'm watching all these other presenters and I'm like, not real impressed and thinking, I really know I have something to offer, but I felt my job was to be at my with my kids. Sure. We moved here the summer of 05. I took my first TRX class. It was 06, 07, I think. Fell in love with it. And the boys are getting older. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to be a master trainer, which is, again, I wanted to present or be a master trainer. I want to do this company because I believe in it. Yeah. So behind the scenes secretly, Gabriel, my middle, who's now 26, I had him videotape. I think he was in sixth grade at the time. You had to you had to <laughs> videotape yourself doing exercises on the TRX and you had to fill out application. I didn't tell anybody I was doing it because I still had this very low worth about myself and didn't believe yes, I'm not yes, gonna yes. get chosen, you know, the blame all of it. And so I submitted it in secret. And I was invited because you weren't chosen then then you're invited to go to san francisco and it was mm -hmm. a weekend of them beating the shit out of you to see <laughs> if you could hold your own and it was absurd it. girl yeah. i look back now there is no way some of the things we had to do is like oh hell no i'd be like i'm fine i'm good because it was so again over the top like doing a pendulum you had to maintain a pendulum for 60 seconds okay you had to do a single leg jump lunge and hit your footprint every single time on your single leg atomic yeah. push-ups of course like really over anyway and so I made it through that was became a master trainer and then that kind of opened doors to other things like and I was pursuing education I started writing for ace. The mm -hmm. education, because I was so broken, shifted to more prehab, rehab, like biomechanical, more biomechanical stuff. So became pretty engulfed in that world. Yeah. A lot of people in that world still teaching my step, did my yoga certification because again, broken. It's like, I never wanted to teach yoga because it was my PT, if you will. But then yeah. I thought, well, why the hell not? <laughs> and again... Like me, I don't teach traditional yoga. My yoga is more, there's be some yoga poses peppered in, but it's still more kind of my flair, if you will. And has now presented at all these conferences, which were my dream and check those boxes and master trader for BOSU and some other companies that it just didn't align that it's like, I'm good. Now I'm just... I'm tired. <laughs> well, okay. So pause on that because you shouldn't okay. be tired. That was a lot. You just wrapped Girl, up. I'm like, old because I'm old. Up like 30 years in five minutes. Yeah. You're Can exactly we right. just take everybody back to my favorite time for you? Oh, no. And when I go Google it up and go find you on some <laughs> crystal oh. light championship. 
Can you please walk us through that time period? Because there's going to be listeners that are like, what's that? And they really That's should go Google it because I think it's a GIF, whether you say GIF or JIF, whatever. I think yeah. it's a GIF right now that you can send to someone, the guys in their spandex doing their thing. But mm-hmm. please, please do share. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> oh my, and I do wonder like who started that? It was Crystal Light, then Reebok bought it. And so okay. Reebok, a Reebok aerobic competition. And that's when Lee was one of was the head judge. So it was before fitness competitions. Now they're fitness competition, stage competition. This was more compulsory. You had to do a minute 30 high intensity. The compulsories were four high leg kicks, four jumping jacks, four sit-ups, and four push-ups choreographed with music. So there's a musicality piece yeah. in a minute and 30 seconds. So it's real bopping around. Yeah. So that's the aerobic competition, which I, I did before the step competition. Then step came around. It was a step challenge competition where I met my now husband. I was going to say, get to the beefy part. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> and that is on YouTube on <laughs> Steve's page where it has us competing and so he was my partner. We, we were a team of four. There were three of us, all experienced, novice or group exercise leaders. We needed another guy. Steve was barely 21 at the time. Again, we're back in Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> and I didn't know who he was, but the three, the other three and our coach were like, well, what about Steve Andrews? I'm like, who's Steve Andrews? Now he knew who I was because at that time, that's when the aerobic classes, Heather, oh my gosh, there's 60 people in class doing steps. We're wearing a thongs. Mm-hmm. It was the cheesiest, juiciest, most amazing time to be in a gym. Can't you go know. Wrong. Yeah. And there's <laughs> such strong community. Like people weren't on phones, like people were engaged and it was a lot of fun. But so he knew who I was. And then there, he was walking down the hall and Terry Levins, who went on to be a world competitor and winner as well in aerobics. Now it's heavy Terry Dietz. But anyway, she's like, that's Steve. Okay, and I yeah. saw him walk by and I'm like, now I'm married at the time because that's part of the juice. And I literally, but I was not very happy. But I walk, watch him walk by. He was so tan. He had brown little curls. He was ripped. And back then he wore the ripped tanks that he <laughs> quaffed perfectly that showed his pecs and arms. And then he wore bike tights and literally and you can see his junk i'm like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh and he became my partner and so we were practicing together every single day like three and four hours a day anyway that was 31 years ago this month and he's now the husband and we have birthed four boys and we have three so that was running around with his little unitard on right I wish we still had it because it was a unitard or singlet. It should go in a box. It, it, for trophy box. People. Yeah. I don't know what we did with it because I wish I still had mine too. Because when you competed, they also were scoring you. So step also, you had compulsories. We had to do four, four high leg kicks again with music, blah, blah. But they're also going over you with a fine tooth comb, looking at your symmetry or not, fat, like the people are so soft now they'd never go but get okay with it. But I remember one of the competitions I did, you know, I muscle up fairly easily and my back was so muscular and that's without steroids because I have a lot of testosterone, but my back was so muscular and I had big fake boobs. And I remember they're like, you're just too muscular. I'm like, it's a fitness competition. How can you be too muscular? That's you know, insane, subjective. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. But the though that era in aerobics, did, did you teach or take aerobics Hell during no. that time? <laughs> Hell no. I that no, at that time I was into beers and boys. And I might have you're younger. <laughs> I might have done that might have been like my time period to start doing the firm workouts online. Okay. Remember the firm? Her name was Tammy. Oh yes. Lee Webb. Yes, yes, yes. Good job. Good job. Yep. We would do the firm and then go drink a lot of beer and go look for boys. That's what we did. Okay. Yeah. But you checked all the right boxes because when I, the step I started drinking again, I went from being married, very religious. We had an affair for the step competition. And then that's when I started drinking again. So I did the same thing. And I was a closet smoker too. So I teach class and then duck in my car. And oh yeah. A cigarette as yeah, yeah. No, I was gym. smoking back then too, but I, I wasn't a closet smoker. I, Cause I had, I wasn't teaching classes. <laughs> But, I had um, to hide. Good for you. That's mm. you, you were multi-talented. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, if you only knew. 
And you are now, you're 30 years sober. I mean, we should share that with everybody. You're 30 years sober. Like, is that the time period that you were like, okay, it's going away? That is when I did get sober. So my life became pretty, you know, and they say in AA, when your life becomes unmanageable. And it really was, I had married for all the wrong reasons. I married a fraternity guy. I wanted to leave Knoxville. He had money. And it's, I was kind of groomed for that in the South. Okay. Kind of, this is what you do. And then he works and I do, I don't. And it's very, it's supposed to be patriarchal, but it's matriarchal. All the Southern women are running the show down there. Ah. And oh, very much so. And so I really wasn't happy and then got very religious. And my faith is very important to me, but it was more religious then. And when I started having an affair with Steve, I started drinking again, probably to kind of dull the Mm-hmm. conviction, if you will. And it yeah. all happened quick. Like we were divorced in three months. Steve and I continued our affair, but then we started drinking and again, oppressed over here in my marriage. Now we're, Steve and I are going clubbing. We're getting drunk. We're having fun. <laughs> like it was, it was a lot of fun. Not the getting drunk, but the club part. Mm-hmm. I love to go in club. We drive down Atlanta. Back then there were S&M clubs. I mean, we didn't partake in it, but the dancers wow. were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> These were the days. This was mid-90s. Now this is like 92, 93, 94. Okay. And, but in 92, in the middle of the, of the affair, we I had just gotten a divorce. And David, my oldest, was a little, like, he was like a year and a half, maybe a year. And I just felt so out of control. And I remember going to this counselor who had done a lot of work at the Meadows in Arizona around substance abuse. And I go to her and I'm like, and she was, had just moved back to Chattanooga. I was like, Judy, I am codependent. I need help. And she looked at me and she said, Elizabeth, you are an alcoholic. I'm like, what? No, I'm codependent. <laughs> She's like, we don't do anything until you get sober. Now, my grandfather was a true alcoholic, you know, the okay. fifths, inkle, empty bottles. Yeah, yeah. I was just a partier. I'm a binge drinker. It's like, yeah, I go out. And I'm, I was always the life of the party. But I didn't have one drink. I drank until I blacked out or <laughs> dropped drunk. So that hit me and I'm, I had a lot to chew on. And so I started going to an AA meeting. And I remember sitting in AA. And again, the South is very different. And I felt so seen and heard. Oh. I didn't feel shame. I okay. didn't feel embarrassed. I'd shared my story Everybody looks so different, but their stories are all very similar. Mm-hmm. And no one bad. I shared my story and no one batted an eye. They just kind of looked at me and did this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why is church not this way? Like mm. church should be this way. I felt such a belonging and I loved the wisdom that I was hearing from the old timers. And so I picked up a chip that day. I tried to not see Steve several times. Like we tried to break up, but we okay. just that never lasted. Was and it the curls? That, was it the... Yeah, it was all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> we have a chemistry. Yeah. And then, but that, my sobriety was so important to me because my life was so crazy. I let him know. I was like, you know what? I will not see you anymore. My sobriety is important. I've got to get my life together. And I'm not working. I'm like teaching like 13 classes a week, trying to oh make money. Gosh. And so I said, we're done. And he got so scared that he was going to lose me. About two or three days later, he had his ass in AA. So That's we got sober together. Yeah. And so that was wow. uh, September of 92. Man, so it'll be 31 you. years. Yeah. It yeah. was 31 years. It'll be 31 years in September. And going through something like that, that's really difficult. But yes. then what you're, you had a small child and you were also teaching mm. a lot of classes. And for those of you who don't know, you don't make a lot of money teaching classes. You don't make enough money to pay rent and bills and car mm-hmm. and insurance. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Especially back gig. then. It's a fun side gig. Yeah. And back classes. then it had not, like people weren't paying really for personal training. Like it hadn't right. gotten the wheels rolling in that world yet. So yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. back then. So I was teaching all these classes. And then that's when, so Steve and I are still dating. That's when I got pregnant and we mm-hmm. weren't married and had the shotgun wedding. And then that son died. So yes. got sober, pregnant, married, and then the death of our, his first son, and my dealt second with son. Trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Right from the get go, you guys had, a, you had a lot to hold on to each other yeah. for, right? A lot of reasons. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my, 
my crew back then that I thought was my crew from Bible study, you know, they all kind of dropped me like a hot potato. I've learned so much. I know you get this too. We've talked about it, but it was, that part was really hard too. There are two or three people in my life still today that are my heart. And one of them, because I was my haughty religious self teaching the classes and the big fish in the small pond at Chattanooga, Tennessee. And she used to take my class and I'd heard she'd had an affair the year before. So I was like, hmm. and I wore my little white pointed toe tennis shoes. I wear bow. Can you imagine bow in my hair? I wore a big bow in my hair with my ponytail. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I know. And she, when the affair happened and everybody knew because I was known in Chattanooga, she came up to me and she said, Elizabeth, I know what you're going through. If you ever need an ear, I'm here for you. And that's Lisa, who was just here a few weeks ago after my surgery. And she truly, the boys call her Aunt Lisa. And she is the depth of my heart. Yeah. Because we've been through so much together. Yeah. 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 Those are your people. And we don't need a lot of people. We just need the people. Exactly. Like I, you and I are both really social. (laughs) So we have (laughs) groups of people that are super fun to go recharge with. But when it comes to the, the true humans that are in your court. It's, it's not a big group that you need. Yeah. Right. You're exactly right. Yeah. And I want to go, I want to be safe and I want to go deep. Like in each passing year, I don't have energy for bullshit. Don't give me bullshit. Let's go real and let's go deep. And if you're not good, like you said in, in the beginning, it's like, how are you really doing? Like that's, those are the people I want in that I'm going to share my energy with at this point in my life. Yeah. And you deserve Especially. That. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just go. Elizabeth is, is, I said in the opener that she's a cancer warrior and soon we're going to say survivor right mm-hmm. now. She's a warrior. Cause you're in the, you're in the throes. You're in the, yeah. you're in the hard part. Yeah. So do you want to share what happened? Was it December? Yep. So I had mentioned one of the little stories that had big fake boobs. So Again, back in the the sparkly days of the gym, when I was doing aerobic competitions, I was super muscular and lost a lot of breast tissue. And in the South, everybody had big fake boobs. Again, Pamela Anderson, that was the era of big fake boobs. Yeah, I had, yeah. I got them. I, I think yours might've been bigger than Pamela. They probably were. I didn't <laughs> do my research, Heather. I was young. I just went, I left it up to the doctor and I woke up and I'm like, holy hell, I should have given him some, some, guidance some parameters yeah all I said was I was like okay Dr. Kraft he did all the boobs in Chattanooga and see I was like Dr. Kraft I just don't want them as big as Carla McCamey who hers I'm not kidding we're here like the size of my Uh, head but I woke up very close to Carla McCamey so anyway Steve has enjoyed them for 30 years so I say that because for 30 years I've had implants under the muscle I popped the first pair doing heavy bag work And then back in October, I'm lying on the back. I have very thin skin and I'm always, I'm neurotic in my body as you are. Like we know our body, we know when things are off. So I'm constantly poking and touching things. And I felt something on my right breast, which I'd already had three biopsies on because I have very dense breasts. Mm -hmm. Same. And I'm like, I don't think that's the valve of the implant. Like that's how thin my skin is. And so I'm like, Steve, feel this. And so he was like, you probably should have that checked. And I was like, okay, so this is what's wild about how we cope, even when we know better. My brain was like, my gut instinct was like, that's not normal. And my brain kept going. And this was like the latter part of October. My brain kept going, oh, it's fine. It's It's just another something, something. But my gut kept like it didn't settle. Okay. So... I went to the South for two weeks. I came back and now we're close to Thanksgiving and I couldn't, I called to see if I could have a mammogram because it had been a while because of the shutdown and everything. They're like, you've got to have your doctor call you in an order. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So now I try to get into my GYN. They're like, it'll be two weeks before you can see us, which would have put me at Thanksgiving. I'm like, what the hell? This is bullshit. I got shit going on. I need to get in. So my nature path that I see, I went to see her and I was telling her about it. She's like, can I feel it? And I, yeah, she felt it. And she's like, she called in the order. So she yep. is like my angel. I got the mammogram right before Thanksgiving. Had a, everybody come for Thanksgiving that I didn't know were coming. They did an ultrasound. 
and they were, I'm looking at them where they're doing the ultrasound and they're like, we think that's the clip from one of the other biopsies, but I'm watching her face. I'm like, I don't think she thinks that's just a clip. The radiologist came in there and was like, we should just do a biopsy just to make sure. So then the biopsy was after Thanksgiving. Okay. Had a biopsy. And sure enough, this in December, I didn't get the results until like the second week of December. So this was the last day of November, week and a half into December. I was taking a clinic at Gorin, you know, because pickleball has become my escape. I love pickleball so much. You and everybody else. Um, Oh, girl. You know what, though? I don't come from racket sports. So it's it's a hard learning curve when you have zero racket sport yeah. background. About yeah, but you're stuff. pretty sporty spice. So, Well, I'm scrappy. I'm scrappy. Yeah, I can get to the ball. I just okay. can't place it where exactly I want it to be. So, <laughs> yeah. so I was leaving a clinic and Wendy, my naturopath, had tried to call me and left a message. And she's like, I do not want to leave this message, but we got the biopsy results. And it is invasive ductile carcinoma, which is very common for women. And I just sat there kind of stunned. I had an appointment with my acupuncturist at the time, Dr. Ying. He's so sweet. And I was going to cancel it. And then I thought, no, I need to go have acupuncture. And I just sat on his table and bawled. And I said, I just found out I have breast cancer. Like he was the first person that I told. Oh my gosh. And so I came home and I told Steve, I was like, can we go for a walk? Now, a little little bit divot into the story here. His dad had just died right before yeah. Thanksgiving. He had been caretaking him. We'd moved him here from Chattanooga as he was, de- he was demented and really losing himself. And November at some point, Steve's like, you know what? It'll be our luck. That'll end up being breast cancer. Oh my gosh. Cause it just seems like we have a lot of shit that happens to us. And we just kind of chuckled about it. And then, so now we're going out for a walk and I said, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, the biopsy came back and it's breast cancer. And he's like, no, get out. And I'm like, no, he's like, you're kidding me. Like there's some denial first going on. And we just walked and he kept shaking his head. And the thing when you get diagnosed around Christmas is everybody's out and closed. So you get this diagnosis that you've got cancer. You don't know anything about it. And you can't get an appointment till middle of January. Oh my gosh. So now there's this head game. And that was all such a shit show as well, because here in Seattle, you know, Fred Hutch is supposed to be like the cancer place. People right. from other parts of the country move here. So I made appointments there again, middle, middle of January. And then I also, Marion Johnson, my naturopath had recommended, who is a brilliant breast surgeon and a woman here at Evergreen, you know, which is our smaller hospital. Right. And so, but that was also middle of January. So the whole month of December, I've got this, not like I've got cancer in me. I can't see anybody. I know nothing, but except that I have breast cancer and it's surreal and how your brain deals with that. And I just continue to teach back in August. I had scheduled a trip to go to Hawaii because now we have two boys, you know, stationed there. Yeah. And God's timing of that was so perfect because this trip was scheduled for January and I was able to do it when I still was employed by Amazon, which by the way, all a halo got laid off today. I know. That place is so, it's so inhumane. I have a good friend who got laid off today. Yeah. Inhumane. Yeah. So luckily though, and blessedly, I booked the trip while I still had my paycheck for Amazon. And when I finally did get into the doctors, they were like, you still go to Hawaii, but we need to operate as soon as you get back. And we're meeting with the plastic surgeon. So all the due diligence you have to do and rounding up a team, the Fred Hutch team, the big story there is once the biopsy came back based on the biopsy, so they it was very small. It was caught. It was like eight millimeters. It was tiny. Okay. And... They're like, we're not going to do an MRI. Now, Lisa, again, going back to Lisa, she was an oncology nurse for 30 years. So I'm having her read the report. She's trying to talk me through it, kind of what's going on in my breast. And she said, I've never heard of them not call, not scheduling an MRI or scans. So I kept their appointment. I still go see Marion Johnson. She ordered an MRI. And she's like, I don't know why they didn't order an MRI. I go have the MRI the morning that I was still going to go see Hutch at 7 a.m. in Kirkland, drive all the way to Seattle, pick up Steve. The way that Hutch does it, we're there five hours. You're seeing the whole team of three. So when you have breast cancer, you have the radiologist, the surgeon, and then the oncologist. 
And they all come in different times as a group. And so five hours, it was so overwhelming. While I was there, the MRI report came back, which again, Marion Johnson ordered it and showed both implants had ruptured. And so yeah. that's part of the story. Yeah. And so the implants had to be replaced. And what they found, at, so I was told, oh, it's so small. We can just do a little lumpectomy. We can do radiation. And again, a lot of women that get diagnosed with breast cancer think radiation is the easy route. And they don't understand that it has a lot of lasting side effect also. And that's what I thought. So it's not an, it's not that simple. And then when I went to see the plastic surgeon, I was like, well, Dr. Johnson said it's so small and do a lumpectomy. He said, he was pulling, he's like, this is your breast tissue. He said, a lumpectomy is about tissue sal- salvaging the tissue. Okay. This is all you have. This is all implant. He said, and he went on to explain what radiation does. And it can penetrate more than just the one spot that you got lung tissues, you got heart tissue, like all that soft tissue down there. And it forever changes the tissue. Yeah. And so at that point, I'm like, you know what, if I've got to replace my implants and I have breast cancer, I'm just going to remove them both. I don't like, why just do this minimal? A lot of women that do the lumpectomy end up coming back with breast cancer in the other breast. So when I went in to do surgery, so they scheduled the surgery February 8th. So not quite three months ago yet was the surgery. The anesthesiologist, I'm about to go back, used to take my class at Sisu. She's like, Elizabeth! I'm like, <laughs> it's a small world, you, Elizabeth. It is such a small <laughs> world. And it was such a little gift from God also because I was so nervous. They told me to be there at, I don't know, 1030. And my surgery went until three. I was so anxious. Yeah. Again, facing all this stuff that you're, you go through and the surgery and losing your breasts and, and not knowing. And she said, you know what, Elizabeth, you've taken care of us for all these years. We're going to take care of you. And that's kind of the last thing I remember before I went out. But she called me over the weekend after surgery to check on me. And she said, when Dr. Johnson pulled the implants out, they dripped on the floor. Goodness. So goodness. Again, under the muscle, yeah. leaking for who knows how long. I don't know yeah. how long that yeah. silicone Where? had been leaking. Yeah. Gosh. So. Can you Here imagine if that if that hadn't been found? Heather, I think about that. Like, what if I had gone with Hutch because because I had I canceled Marion Johnson's appointment. And then a friend of mine whose sister is going through this, younger than me, stage three. And I had waited a while to tell her because I knew she was overwhelmed with Netta. And she said, Oh, she loves her surgeon. I said, Marion Johnson. And she said, Yes. And it happened to be New Year's weekend. So I called back the next day to try to reschedule my appointment, which they'd moved it up to the 5th of January, which they still had. And I think, had I not gone to her and I'd done the hutch, I would have gone through all this cancer stuff with leaky implants that would still had to have been addressed at some point. Yeah. I yeah. think about that, Heather. Yeah, that's and a total it's blessing. Like, it's a total blessing. And then the, my lump wasn't found on the mammogram. So right. all these, that's my biggest drum that I've been beating is we have to sadly really advocate for herself. Netta, my sister's friend, she felt a lump a year prior to when she went in and they sent her back. They kind of shoot her off like, nah, 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 nah. Her gut told her it shouldn't be there. Mm. And it ended up being stage three. And she's had radiation. She's had chemotherapy. And so for all the listeners, the women listeners or the male that have women, it's like, don't We've learned the last three years, just because somebody's an expert doesn't mean they know shit. Right, right. Just because we know, like, get in tune with your body, trust your gut, like we have a gut for a purpose, and push and pursue. If you need to. Yeah. That is like the biggest thing for you, but there's also something else that's really important. And you and I both are on the same page with this, and it's our background, but please share with what you've been preaching about all the things that you've been working on and building and how it's helped you get through Mm. this. Yeah, that's big. I forgot. So I had mentioned a little background about my education and I've kind of changed the way that I trained. And when we're younger, it was all about aesthetics. So I crushed myself. If I wasn't sweating blood, I wasn't getting it done. Everything was about how I looked. I wanted to look perfect. And in doing so, really crushed and tore up my body. So as I started that education around prehab, rehab, changed the way I train, I started implementing that into the way that I teach, mm-hmm. um, more biomechanically correct mm-hmm. of why, why 
do you do something? Like, why? Why do you move a certain way? And really being in tune to how you do it. So because of that, and that's how I teach, and I'm very bullish about it in the way that I teach, when I was going into my double mastectomy, I was told by so many people, you'll need a recliner. You can't use your arms. You're not, put everything down on the hip level to reach. You're going to need a walker to help you get in and out of bed. You can't use your arms, this, that, and the other. Steve and I were scared to death. Like, yeah. so, but we got all this stuff and he set me up downstairs in, in our bedroom with the recliner. He moved the TV down there because I thought I was going to be holed up in a recliner. Four stories. For four, yes. For, <laughs> and binging on all these shows. Yeah. And what I found, Heather, was really wild is that I didn't need any of it because of the way I had used my body. I sat mostly on the floor and was able to get up and down on the floor without using my arms at all. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of mobility in my hips, strong mobility in my hips because of the way that I trained my body. I was able to get in and out of my bed without using my arms from because of my core strength. Yep. But to a fault. So Dr. Men, so then you have <laughs> you have the surgery. I've got these expanders in that are like barbaric. Okay, everyone's going to have to see this on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Because they just kind of move around. They're just hanging in my flesh. And I think it was weak. To, and then you have drains in also. So you're That's walking right. around with drains hanging out. And I had a little patch around your waist. That was the best thing too. A little waist pouch that I put my drains in so I could just wear whatever I wanted to. But I think week two, like I'm playing with my mobility and I go in, I'm like, Dr. Min, look, I can put my arms overhead. It stays <laughs> with me. And he said, Dr. Min was like, <laughs> he, was, he was like, Please tell me you're not doing that. It was like maybe two and a half weeks. I don't know, but it was very soon. And I'm proud because I'm like, I know, I've got I great know. mobility, but, right? But they're like, <laughs> those expanders, they're being held literally by one thread. And when thread. I say one thread, there is one thread that's, I'm like, why y'all not tell me that from the get-go? Why did they begin? They're like, it's too overwhelming if we told you everything that we're doing. So... The way that I train, beautiful for movement. When they say don't move, there is a purpose, one string holding it in, but it has made my physical recovery. Like if I wasn't bullish before, I'm so bullish now. And I've been preaching like it matters. It matters for resilience. It matters for quality of life. It's so, so important. And the flip of that, when you have something so invasive like, like a mastectomy, they didn't want me even walking like, you know, Mercerdale, it's flat, it's one loop. Yeah, I have thought, okay, I'll do two loops. They were mad at me. Like, when I say you can't walk, you can maybe walk to your mailbox. We don't want you moving or heart rate going up. So I could. So the way that I cope, again, I'm sober, movement, yep. sauna, and I couldn't do any of it. So now you've got the mental health piece. Right. And that was really challenging. But I tell you, the... The beauty of my community, which you were a part of, girl, I still think about your soup the other day. I was thinking about how delicious <laughs> it was, is it was really hard to receive the meal train and how the community showed people I out of the world. It looked like I had a fucking florist up in here. The flowers that I got, the food was so, that was so helpful. That's where I was trying to go. And it's like, all the that, stuff that you would do for someone else. So, but I'm, that's what I've always done. I've right. been the recipient. I'm the one that's supposed to take that shit. I know, I, I know. So, I know. so to receive was really hard, but it really helped my mental. I felt so loved. It was, again, it took you me are. a minute, but well, yes, I am. <laughs> and it was really hard to understand and receive that. Yeah. Because again, yeah. I'm not used to that. I'm the one that I'm going to go bake for you or do for So the mental health piece is so challenging and can be so dark. So these little things like that really yeah. do help. And then being able to move again have, has, Moving has helped again. that again. Yeah. So as we're recording yeah. this, this is it's the end of April. You had surgery in January and you're already back to teaching classes, taking classes, yeah. moving. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty damn impressive. Heather, I can be hard on myself. I'm a little type A. And surgery was February 8th, by the way. So oh, not okay. even quite three months. You're right. You're right. But when I started exploring movement, so how I started was taking a yoga class. I get in the back and I try on what things felt. Now, I was already, I had, when, when they gave me the green light, I started doing hip step, low body step, because that's not mm -hmm. affected. 
And I wanted that to, to stay juicy, if you will. Then I go into low yoga and I'm trying. So I started on the forearms. I'm really trying to, a lot of women when they have, you know, we do this anyway, but then you have these big, whether it's explant, implant, or mastectomy, you yeah. start kind of compensating. The rounded shoulders, so really, the tight chest. Yes. So I'm really trying. And then I was trying to do some lymphatic drain stuff around the clavicle. I think I, did, I posted something on that, but really yeah. trying to open up here. And again, my pecs have been in stretch for 30 years and then <laughs> yeah. trained that way. So now my pecs are confused, not knowing <laughs> what to do. But each time I took a class and I cried, I think in every class that I started in because of the struggle, because it felt good, because okay. just the, all of it, all, all of it. it. All of it. And now I will say, as of today, I talked today, I can finally, and again, you know, I'm pretty strong and I was pretty proud of my strength. I couldn't for the first two weeks press up from the ground into a, <laughs> into the top of a plank. Yeah. And this gal, I was talking to her two weeks ago in my class, I was like, I could hardly descend it from a plank onto the floor without collapsing. And I said, I can't push up a plank. She's like, Elizabeth, that's the rest of your class. None of us can do that. Welcome to the real world. I thought that was <laughs> so cute. That but is cute. Yeah. So I'm now getting back to my strength. My chest feels different to know that I go back under the knife, May 9th, yeah, and I yeah, have yeah. to do it all again. I have to be off for five weeks and do nothing. So what can you take with you from round one to round two? Well, if I can, I think the the box won't be as tight. I be, okay. I won't have drains, so that will be an instant win. I think I can walk. So okay. to address the movement, again, eating well and I ate well through the recovery was really important. A yeah. lot of whole foods and colors, which again, that soup was so you you really did so well with our food on that and. What can I take? And patience and grace. Heather, I really have had to coach myself like I would a yeah. sister, a friend, you. A client. And be okay with being okay where I am today. And no, like, so as I look back now, it feels like it's been forever, but it's really been fast. And I look back now, it's like, I was, I've been under the knife quite a bit. Like I had diathesis repair. I have a mm -hmm. scar from my hip to hip and all these recover and my foot re restructured and all these recoveries. It's like, it's fucking hard for babies. As you know, like getting back from an injury. Yeah. And so in my head, I'm like, I'm in my latter fifties. I don't know that I have it in me to try to get back to where it was. And you know what? The thing is like we do, it is the mental game. It is harder. And it will come and be okay with being okay and allow it instead of pressing it. Cause in the past, I was always rushing it. Mm -hmm. It will come. And just like, you know? just like a muscle atrophies, if you've had an injury or you've been out for a little bit, what happens when uh, you start to get back to the build phase? Like your body comes back. It remembers all the things. Our bodies are so fiercely awesome. And especially yes. with the whole, the, you know, the neuro connection, like it comes back. So like, I'm wondering if part of that lesson learned from the bajillions of stuff you've been through already and how hard it was just a couple months ago, knowing that that's somewhat temporary, somewhat, mm -hmm. like, you know, better days are ahead. Yes. And does it does. Like I was thinking today is like, okay, it really hasn't been that long. Like I've, I've got a lot of my strength back and talking about the atrophy. Oh my gosh, Heather. Cause again, you know, I'm very vain. About three or four weeks when I wasn't doing anything, I was and, I, and Steve, went, you know, I'm looking at my arms. I'm like, oh my gosh! She's like, I've never seen your arms like that. And and now I can say like, okay, there's some mass back in there. Okay, <laughs> okay. But yeah. you did like it's a weird. It's such a weird all the different things. Like my identity has been my body, not just like in looks, but I express so much through my body. Yeah, yeah, and like, so if. It, when I think of you, do you, I don't know if this happens to you, but when I think of people, an image pops in my mind when I think of someone, mm -hmm. do you know what your image is? What? <laughs> it's not your boobs. It's you on your friggin' rock or all the places you do your press-ups where... <laughs> oh, 
all my straddle presses. Your straddle presses. She's doing full splits on her hands, <laughs> lifting her body up. And I can't do that to save my soul. And so when I think of Elizabeth, that is the image that comes to my head. <laughs> I love that image. I'm a super oh. visual person. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do attach like an image to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? Yeah. <laughs> But it sticks there and that's in your Rolodex. Yeah. So like when you're, when you're talking about like the blueprint of Elizabeth, that is your blueprint. You are freaking strong yeah. and powerful. And I know that you're going through dark stuff. I know you are. Yeah. We all are going to, we all have our yeah. days dark, but the resilience, see, I got it right this time. The resilience <laughs> that you've <laughs> built for years. And I mean, it just, it's going to keep showing up, right? It does. And I know you get this because of the way that you train. So see, I can't relate to what you do. I don't like you doing these triathlon. Like she's crazy. You know, well, that's just you that stupid stuff. Well, I've told you that several <laughs> times. Like she's crazy. You and Claire Miguel, like y'all crazy. <laughs> like the, I, like a bear's going to eat me before I'm going to try to do distance <laughs> running. I'm just like eat up. But to that, and it's so important. I know you get this. Like, when we do the hard things in our body, it shows us we can do the hard things here. When we do the hard things here, we can do the hard things here. They're so interconnected and they yeah. help the two, because we're not one or the other, both grow and become more than we envisioned. Like that is how we develop grit. That yeah. is how we can endure the hard things. And even in those hard things, though, like I learned this with cancer. I don't know if you know who Kate Bowler is. I've started sharing some of her stuff. She's a podcaster. Oh my gosh, Heather. I've become obsessed with her nuggets and messaging. She was diagnosed okay. with stage four cancer in her early 30s. I think she's still in her 30s. And she was divinity of, I mean, professor of divinity at Duke. Okay. And she... Like when you lose a son, these big things, people don't know how to show up. And because they're, un I think they're so uncomfortable with their pain or fear around it. They try to project their way of how you should handle it onto you. So okay, I'm trying to remove this phrase out of my vocabulary. This is my newest with cancer, at least. Yeah. I say it, I have said it so often and I'm trying to remove it. At least it wasn't stage four. At least you caught it early. But over here, it's like, it's still fucking cancer. Right. And it right. fucks with you forever. And some days it's going to be further in the back mirror, but it's always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And so and another, like, if anybody can fight this, it's you. It's like, I know I'm a fighter. Like I've been a fighter since I was a little girl. I got in a lot of scuffles. Like the, a friend of mine, and she's my life coach, prayed over me a few weeks ago. And I loved this prayer. And it made me look at my tenacity very different. And she prayed, she's like, God, thank you for making her so tenacious because I've been through a lot. And if I didn't have that tenacity, I'd probably crumble. I'd probably start drinking again. Like, and yes, there's a side effect, another side to being so tenacious that's sometimes not pretty. But when you're in things like this, it can come out very positive. And so, yes, I have that, but, and I also feel very fragile sometimes. Yeah. And like we were saying in the beginning, and and so I know people mean well when they say, you know, you're a fighter. It's like, first of all, fuck, I don't want to have to fight against something that I didn't invite or want in my life that yeah. has changed it forever. It's changed our, my relationship with my husband forever. It's, it's like my oncologist nature path, one of my many teams, she calls it canceritis. So you get something weird and then you're instantly... Yeah. Is yeah. it cancer? And she's like, yeah, it's called canceritis. So there's so much fuckery around it. From trauma. Resilience. Yeah. And it's very real. And I'm tenacious and I'm strong. And I'm also very human. And I get angry. And the whole cycles of the grief, Heather, have been unbelievable. And it reminds me of when I lost a son because I haven't had one of my sons, we had rehab, you know, that was a scary several years, Lord Jesus, like good Lord. And there was a lot of grief then, but this grief, because it's like in me and affecting me and it's made life so much more like it is fragile. You get a cancer diagnosis and it's like, I 
on the back nine anyway. I think of death more often, which, you know, that's a stoic philosophy. You should wake up every day. You should think about death every day, which will help you live life maybe yeah, more I present. Oh, hello. I'm not good at that. No. And it's weird. And so, yeah, yeah the resilience is important. And training helps make our, our mental resilience even that greater. Sure. You have to have it doing your triathlons and stuff. I mean, again, literally, when I see you, do those things literally like I there's no way I could do that because that takes a certain amount from you and the way that you show up that you have that is a beautiful gift of your endurance and you show enough well, and thank you strong. yeah I have endurance I'll never be as fast as Claire Claire's getting two shout outs here <laughs> we'll Claire, make sure she just, sees this podcast got some fast twitch muscle fibers that I don't <laughs> have so uh, um but the like I think that's super badass of you to share that Yes, you're tough and tenacious and all that. But on the other side is you you didn't want to show up to the fight. You didn't want to attend this mm-hmm. event and and you don't have a freaking choice. And sometimes it's just going to suck. So like, I think that's mm-hmm. also what a lot of us are learning too is I remember when you posted something and it was, I was like, did she get a bad diagnosis or did she lose her job? You posted something and it was just, I can't even remember, but I just knew that something was fundamentally deep. And I, I remember just like in my head offering a little prayer for you. And, and then I remember the day that you posted about the sea. I mean, you couldn't even say it. You said the sea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help myself, but to just send you a text message and, and say, I love you. Like, I think that we need the 101 for what the hell to say. Yeah. to someone. Yes. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. maybe it is. I don't know what to say. Yes. But I'm here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But we as humans, we want to be seen and heard, right? Like the, at the core of all of us, we want to be seen and heard. And I went through this when Christian died, when I walked around out to here teaching classes pregnant, and then I show back up to teach class. I have no baby and no belly. Do you know how many people never said a word? Because it we're makes you so feel crazy. Like we don't know what to say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's our own shit. So that it's like, I love you. I'm sorry you're going through this. I'm a loss for, I don't know what to say, but I love you. Yeah. It can be that simple. It's then it's acknowledging what the other person is going through and, right. and that, Another big lesson, I said this on another podcast that I learned with the cancer thing, because I was guilty of this as well, is, and I learned it from a good friend who learned it from another cancer patient. When you have something traumatic that happens like this, when you ask them, whatever it is, how can I help? What can I do for you? That's putting the work back on the one that's going through the event instead of, just fucking show up, do something, you know, <laughs> Figure it out. like, yeah, like, <laughs> like send them. This was a very helpful too. I got a lot of door dashes mm-hmm. from people all over the country. And that was super helpful because mm-hmm. they felt they wanted to do something. They felt like they couldn't do anything. Yeah. And that was so even things like that. So acknowledging, I don't know what to say. I think that's the best thing that we can say. And the love you and those little moments, they give you a little, little bit of hope. When you're yeah. going through something that's so dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And, and the d- don't ask how to oh. help, just help. The yeah. same thing can be said for partners too. Yes. When I'm rocking, running around like a chicken with my head cut off and I'm in five places at once and my husband says, how can I help? Super nice. And that's his love language. Yeah, yeah. He's actions. Yeah. I can't stop to think, could you please go? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So that's going to be a, that's gonna be a good life lesson. We can have that conversation yeah. of don't ask how you can help. Just look around, maybe get all my shit in the car. I don't know. Yeah. And guys are very different in how they show up also. So sometimes they new, do need a little. Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother. That's, that's a whole, whole nother, nother podcast. Whole nother. Elizabeth, I have a, a thought and I'm sure you've either thought about this or you've been asked about it, but is there anything in your future for helping women in your situation in regards to their fitness journeys? Is there anything that you're formulating in your head? I, the one way that I started 
was posting, getting real on my Instagram. Yep. So I, that's very unfiltered and offering little nuggets there. Yeah. I've thought about it a lot. Like, okay, so I'm presenting at Idea World this summer. My you movie, are my play class. I am. I'll Do you want me to LA come and announce and... you in and I'll just butcher yes! it? I'll be like, she's going to do something that's resiliently resistant. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I would love for you to be there. And, but you know, the cancer will definitely be a part of that story. Cause that's part of my even more why of that class that I designed. Yeah. And I haven't figured out more how to help yet. Heather one, because I start, getting overwhelmed. Like I have a lot of ideas to bring them to fruition is not a strength of mine. Can I help you? Uh, I, my, of course my ADD starts going. I know I have, a, you know, I have a lot of, and then when I was at DCAC presenting last year, Trisha and two other people, they loved my yoga lab because they're like, you need to create education around this and create a certification and then have master trainers. And I literally was like this. It's like, I love the idea, but oh my gosh, deer in the head, like, like my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea. If I could go beep, beep, it's it's the admin stuff is not my strength. Right. Right. And I can present and educate and I love to teach and perform, but the admin stuff girl will send me to a spiral of abyss. Just get an assistant. I think this is important life work. (laughs) What are you presenting on an idea? What is it? So... That idea will be my movement play class, okay. which is what I do here. And and like all, it's my one-stop shop. We, there's always power, strength, mobility, stability yep. brought into the class, a lot of yep. different modalities. And then I present in Virginia in August and I'm presenting step. I know girl, bring step back, girl, <laughs> step. And then we're doing, we, me presenting movement play. And then it's my chill and flow class, which is more down regulate mobility heavy but still sequence but it's more like chill vibe like yeah if nice. i wanted to smoke a cigarette i could but we don't do that anymore because that's not healthy i want it well <laughs> you'd be smoking something else i want to i want to feel. but then i'd lose my sobriety <laughs> <laughs> i want to feel that in my body i bet that feels good yeah. is the first one more primal movements the play yeah like the movement play so yeah. like an example there'll be a little animal flow in there with maybe a little yoga and then some power, like powerful movement. And then I'll have you hold a single leg balance, find balance in all of that and then explode again or crawl around primally. Yeah. So it's a lot of little everything. I love it. Love it. Love it. That's super cool. And I am excited to hear how your stuff goes, your presentations, because you're going to be... Thank you. Well, you'll be like right now, right? Right now from yeah. your original surgery in August. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. July, I thought about that because it's like, okay, idea is the 12th. Okay. And I have my surgery on the 9th. Let's hope the implants stay put in my presentation and don't go sideways because they're the teardrop. <laughs> I, I hope I, I like, I hope I can do the moves, Heather. Yeah. Like I thought of that because when I first started teaching, Again, I tried to lower in towards the floor and I'm going, but I used my knees and it was a great teaching opportunity. Yes, it is. It sure is. You would be proud of me this weekend. I taught yoga anatomy to, I think this was my fourth time teaching oh, to, to yoga students, yoga, yoga teachers in training. But we did a lot of like, I even busted out in a class too. This is an Elizabethism. My friend Elizabeth oh. taught me this and it's your Instagram is really, really valuable. But I was teaching, oh. we were talking a lot about scapula stability and, mm-hmm. and what has to all fire when mm-hmm. someone's in Chaturanga and we were talking about shoulders. And so mm-hmm. I broke out a lot of good things and, and nuggets that I've learned from you too. But I think that it's really Aww. important to teach them and teach people on a regular basis about mobility, stability. It's mm-hmm. yoga is not about flexibility. And there's a reason that you can go into yoga. You can go into Prasrita Padottanasana, your wide forward fold, your head can hit the ground. You can be in the most jacked up yummy position. Then you drive home from class, you get up out of your car and you go, as you're standing like, oh, why am I so tight? I just did yoga. I mean, that flexibility only lasts so long. You have to yeah. have the other factors in there to keep your body yeah. supple. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. 
Am I preaching to the wrong choir here? <laughs> no, I, I love just, it. I think I, no, my brain was just going. I think it's I, so you know, important. You, it's so important. And you, we find often those that are taking yoga are the very bendy and they don't have the stability, but they love the yoga because they can get in and, and open it. And you really have to understand the two and the active end range yeah. of the movement. Yeah. And, and you don't get that in a lot of yoga. You've got a lot of instructors that pair it whatever they heard over here and they just Do. say it, not really understanding the how and the why again. And or try that's to get why someone... I designed my classes. Yeah, that's so, so smart. Or you get the instructors that are trying to get you to a peak pose that looks really cool on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I'm that participant like, by damn, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I rip my femur out, so be it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you. That's so the much type A. I love this. <laughs> I love this. Just, and this wasn't enough time to catch up with you, but I wanted to bring you on today because you are such a beacon in the fitness industry. I mean, you really, not that you're old, I'm not calling you a old beacon. You're just such a bright, shining example for what fitness should but be. You can say old beacon. You're not mm-hmm. an old beacon because I'm right there with you and I'm not old either. So, like, right. I remember a time when we worked together and you were starting the these different classes and they were classes mm-hmm. more on prehab, rehab, like what your body yeah. really needs. And you were kind of like, listen up, assholes, you need to do this. <laughs> and people, because I think I might've been in charge of the department or something, people were like <laughs> pissed. Like, we just want hit. We just want boot camp. We just want... and. Nobody wanted to listen to the reasons why. And I can guarantee that every single one of them here now, a decade later, is like, oh, I should have done a little more prehab, rehab kind of stuff in my world. Mm-hmm. Oh, just walk, watch them walk around. You're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I told you. <laughs> you, don't, you, you don't even you just watch them. You were genius <laughs> to be bringing that in. And so even if you get hit with, well, that's not what I came here for. Mm-hmm. It's what you need. Right? And you know what? Like one of my other mentors, it's like you give them now. I try to give a little bit what they want and I'm always going to give them what they need. And I'm also very okay. I learned this back early on in my days. I am not everyone's flavor and I am so okay with that. <laughs> there are so, there are so many other styles and modality go scratch that itch i am yeah. not going to cater or change you know and that's more of my personality also it's like fuck you go somewhere else yep you're good like i don't that. say I, that but close. i've learned from you on that too and i'm you're yeah. you're my flavor girl you're my flavor oh she's been here the whole time like she's really good at this you look good <laughs> on camera your voice like you didn't know my calling. I was going to do I'm NBC so Nightly News. <laughs> I can see it. Bring some oh integrity gosh. back to the news, girl. <laughs> well, but it was a little too stuffy for me. I like to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah. I had um just really fast. I had some guy in NBC when I went to go do a project in college. NBC Chicago, big guy, real important guy saw me sitting in his office for my interview and he threw his bag of food across the office and said, what the fuck are you doing in here? And I remember being like, I'm out. <laughs> this isn't for me. But he he Damn. called me on it and he said, you're not cut out for this. You're not designed for this. So I, I left. And yeah, he was kind of an asshole, but thank God I was not cut out for that stuff. No, I, but that's what I wanted to do. But I love that like... Literally the whole time I'm like, okay, say attention, pay attention, Elizabeth, pay attention, because you know I get set my ADD. But I'm like, she is really like the complete package. You look great, you sound oh, great. You just thank no, you, Elizabeth. I'm serious, thank you, thank Heather. you, thank you. Okay, and I'm so, glad you asked me to be on here. So thank you. I appreciate just your great time at today. Because yeah. back to what I was saying, you're a fitness beacon <laughs> of all wisdom, energy, and you've done it all, and so. I think people need to, if they don't already know your story, if they don't already follow you, they need to follow you for important <clears throat> reasons to stay healthy and mm. to help women in their lives also who are more than likely going to be affected by this. So yeah, where can people find you? Instagram. I don't use Facebook as much anymore. Mainly is Instagram is what I use and it's okay. Elizabeth.s.andrews and they can DM me, but 
and it, I try to, I really pursue trying to keep it raw and real and filtered. Yeah. That's why we love you. And you'll see build a bear titties (laughs) in a few weeks. This is my build a bear project. Awesome. I'm going to put in the show notes where they can find you. I'm also going to go find that Google. I'm going to go Google and find that link to you and Steve in your crystal light. And if I can't find it, I'm tracking you down. And then one last question. Yes. (laughs) When do you feel most badass? Oh, when do I feel most badass? Oh my gosh, girl. That's a trick question. I... In a different way. Like my head instantly went to like, which Mm -hmm. I do feel badass for that. This is the most recent. I feel so badass when I hear my young adult men now, 32, 26, 23, and they're all on their own. When they repeat things that I told them that have landed and, and when they talk about the love affair that Steve, their daddy and I have, how we inspire them, Mm -hmm. how I inspire them. And how they think I'm one of the strongest, if not the strongest woman they've ever known. And they admire me so much. That's when I'm like, oh, they, they were paying attention. Like all the time and the investment yeah. to choose to stay. And I, girl, I told Lon, like, and they'll know, they'll tell you that. Like I, they knew they'd get in trouble when David Bowman Came home drunk one day. The next morning, I had his ass out because he was a teenager. I had his ass out. He was doing hill sprints the next morning. That's how we showed up, bro. <laughs> and he's over puking. Like, so I was tough on my boys, and they so appreciated. They didn't like it in the time, but they really appreciate it now. And I'm yeah. glad to hear them say that. Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty badass, too. I love you. you. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Heather. And everyone else, go find Elizabeth and cheer her on as she goes through the next few months and then watch for what's to come. Yeah. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks, (laughs) y'all. Well, there you have it. One step closer to feeling strong, confident, and inspired to take care of you again. And you know what's even more badass? sharing this with a gal pal that might need a little fist pump in her life. If you got some inspo from this episode, I'd be honored if you took a screenshot for your social and tagged me at coach Heather Yancey so I can send you a personal thank you. And please know that if you could take a minute to rate and review the show, it helps get this podcast to more people. And that's super badass. And finally, if you haven't joined the Badass Reset Club on Facebook, what are you waiting for? I'll see you over there and go get them.